Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. All right, all right, all right, man. Like Darren said, my name is T. Rousey. I get the gift of being the collegiate director for FCA. I get to see um, serve athletes on all five of our campuses, and I absolutely love what I get to do. I don't feel like I have a job. I don't feel like I have a career. I have a calling. I feel like faith and sports, it just goes together, man. It's like chips and guac, man. It, it just fits, all right? And I love what I get to do. Listen, I'm so excited to bring the word, but um, there's one thing I want you guys to know about me, and I want you to see my family. I think we have a picture of my family up here. That, yes, that is my wife. We've been married, it'll be 10 years, March 1st. She is absolutely amazing, and that is my little girl. She's our miracle girl. And I love when you were sharing and you were saying doctors gave you guys all these diagnoses and stuff. Well, my little girl has Down syndrome. Doctors say she wouldn't crawl until she's two. She wouldn't walk until she's three. Literally last night, my little girl started taking steps. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah. But God, man. But God. Well, listen, I don't want to take up too much time. You guys have already been sitting, but I've got a word on my heart and I'm going to preach it. Y'all ready to receive it? Come on, CIU. I said, are you ready to receive it? Come on. I think this is going to be a game changer for some of you, and I'm looking forward to it. But here's the thing, man. I want to set this up well, because I went to a Christian school, and I sat in chapel services just like this, and speakers would speak, and it was always over my head. So I just, I'm going to make this super simple. I'm going to be reading from the Bible, and I'm going to be preaching, and uh, we're going to pick up in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel start out the New Testament. And then you go into the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascend to heaven. Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come. The New Testament church was birthed. Churches we know what today started at that point. Acts chapter 3, that church is exploding. Every day, thousands were, having, were adding to the number of believers. But we also see something in Acts chapter 3. We see Peter and John, they're going to the temple courts to go pray. And outside of the temple, there was a lame guy. He was asking for a handout. They actually healed this guy. He said, I want silver and gold. They actually healed him. But the religious people in Acts chapter 4 got really upset. They took Peter and, uh, and John. They threw him in prison. And they basically said, if y'all don't shut up talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. They said, you do whatever you want. We're not going to shut up about Jesus. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, where we can see the response of those people after they just did their best to threaten these guys and they didn't back down at all. Acts 4, 13 says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures, but they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They recognized them as men who had been with with Jesus. You guys pray with me right now. Jesus, have your way from the front to the back. God, I pray that you would move. Please don't let this just be another chapel. This isn't about scanning in or scanning out, Lord God. This is about connecting with your heart. Father God, change us from the inside out. Disturb us of our, our comfort, Father God. Help us to draw close to you because that's what we need, Father. It's in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Man, I haven't gotten to be in chapel in so long. I think 
Last time I was here, it was right around, like, right before COVID, man. Like, it's been so long. So I'm so excited to be here and actually see you guys. Y'all don't have masks on. This is great. It feels good. Yeah, you can shout for that. You can shout. Dude, I'm a sports guy. So if you want to shout, you're not going to throw me off, all right? You just bring it on. But um, I'll be honest with you guys, and I'm going to need to unpack this, so don't judge me. Um, I didn't, like, like COVID, but I like some of the things that it brought. Okay, now let me explain, all right? Let me explain. I'm a huge germaphobe. Like, I'm not a guy who likes people close to me, you know? Like, I like my space. I was just in the Dominican Republic last week. They don't have, like, they're, like you don't have a bubble there. Like, everybody was close talkers to me, and they kind of freak me out. Especially, like, when guys are just so close to me. I'm like, dude, back up, bro. What are you doing right now? Like, I, I like my space. So when COVID happened, I was that weird guy. Um, I'm just going to share with a couple hundred people that um, I actually did this. But I was that guy that when we got groceries home, I'm like, hey, babe, we got to clean that. My wife is like, what are you talking about? We got to clean it. So I was like, yeah, you know, we don't have to do that. But then when she went to bed, I'm taking stuff out of the fridge. I'm cleaning stuff. You know, like it freaked me out. And the real reason it freaked me out is because my least favorite place on the planet is the doctor's office. I can't stand it. If you're a germaphobe, it's your worst nightmare because it's full of sick people. And I don't know what it is about the doctor's office, but every time I go, I take my own pen because I don't want to use the pen at the counter. I don't know what this guy had before me. So I go, I fill out my stuff, and I sit down. Y'all, I will get my own seat. It'll just be me by myself right here. There's seats everywhere. The very next person, where do they sit? Right next to you. What is that? It's like, bro, back up. I don't know what you've got. So as fate would have it, man, I did everything I could to avoid COVID. It just didn't work. I actually got, went out to lunch with one of my friends, and we sat six feet apart. But the next day, I got that phone call. Hey, man, I got that vid. I, I, I mean, I got that wrong. I mean, I got that COVID-19, whatever you're supposed to say, politically correct. And I just remember freaking out. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to call my boss. And I called my boss, Kim, Kim Williams. I'm like, hey, listen. I was eating around somebody who had COVID. She's like, you got to go get a test. I'm like, but do I? Like, it was six feet. Like, do I really need to go? She's like, absolutely, you got to go. So I pull up at this place and I pulled in though and I really felt hopeful because I remember pulling in and they had like an outdoor thing. Like you didn't even have to go inside. I'm like, this is amazing, bro. And I got out of my car and he's like, hold up, boy, hold up, hold up. I'm like, bro, I don't even want to come to you. You can just write me a note, fold it up like an airplane and throw it to me. I'm out of here, bro. I'm good. And he's like, he stopped me. He's like, well, hey, why are you here? I'm like, man, I was around somebody who had COVID. And he's like, well, what are your symptoms? I'm like, bro, I have no symptoms. I'm still eating like crazy, if you can't tell. I'm like, I love food. I ate a lot before I came. I worked out because I ate. Um, I had no shortness of breath. I think everything's good. Can I go? He's like, well, are you sure you don't have symptoms? I'm like, bro, I am good. I think I'm great. And he said, well, why don't you just go home for five to seven days? You're probably asymptomatic, but just go home and rest. I'm like, are you serious? Two cages came out and I get to go home? Like, I don't have to go anywhere? I'm like, this is amazing. I turn around and I'm getting ready to leave, but... As I'm leaving, man, the Holy Spirit hit me just in my heart. I remember just walking away and I'm going, man, the second I got there, the first thing this guy said was, what are your symptoms? And the whole reason that he asked that question is because based off of my symptoms, he can tell if I had what I was claiming to have or not. My question to you from the back to the front in this room in a Christian school like this, 
If you're claiming to follow Jesus, you should have symptoms that show that you've been with Jesus. When people look at your life, can they tell that you have been with Jesus? Like when people look at your life and you're coming and you're going, and the words that you speak, the way that you carry yourself, can they look at you and tell that you've been with Jesus? We just read a verse in Acts 4.13 that said, they took note. They could tell they were ordinary, unschooled, uneducated people, but they noticed that they had been with Jesus. Can people look at your life and tell that you have a prayer life? Can people look at your life and tell that you're diving into your word? Like when people look at your life, what do they see? I think it's great to speak about Jesus. I think it's completely different to live for him. Just call me crazy, but I think when we meet Jesus, things should change. I think we should be different. When we meet Jesus, there should be some peace. There should be some love. There should be some self-control. There should be something different about us. You should have a different type of swag. You should have a different confidence. You should have a God confidence that bubbles up inside of you that you can't hold in, that you're telling everybody about him. And when necessary, you use words. Like that's the life that God's called us to live. And right now we need that more than ever. Mental health is at a crisis right now. People need encouragement. They need hope. And we've got the answer. It's Jesus. We've got it. It's just, are we living it? Literally, man, like right now, everything's so divided racially, politically. We are the hope of the world. And it's through the love of Christ, man. I look at this room and I think, man, my God, if God can change the world with 12, what can he do with this campus? If you guys get on fire for Jesus, do you know your campus looks different? Do you know it overflows into the city and it looks different? I get to go to sporting events all the time. The wave always starts in the student section. What happens if you guys get going and on fire for Jesus? That wave overflows. The city looks different. But it starts with us. There's so much potential here, but potential's everywhere. There's potential in prisons. There's potential in graveyards, guys. It all comes down to the decisions you make. Have you ever noticed that checkers, they all have crowns? Because every checker was destined to be a king. It's just based off the de decisions you make and how you navigate it, if it makes it or not. It's the same way in your life. God has destined you for great things. It just depends on the decisions you make. Now, I know I'm coming off kind of hot, and I'm going to back up a little bit because I want to challenge you, but I also want to encourage you. Because I think there's some people in the room who are like me, where you've done everything wrong. And you're looking at your life and you're going, man, how can God use me? Can I just encourage you? You know, I told you guys that um, me and my wife have been married now for nine years. It'll be 10 years in March 1st. But I still to this day remember one of the defining moments where I said, man, I cannot wait to marry that girl. I was on staff at a church. Me and my wife were both on staff at a church, and we had watched this church just grow over the course of six years from 2,500 to 10,000. God was really moving. We were hosting this big event. We had Lecrae in. We had KB, Family Force 5. We had this amazing party for the city. We were expecting 25,000 people, and I was over marketing. And I kind of dropped the ball. I didn't count. I complete. I fumbled. And... Um, I got all of our commercial stuff out late. We missed the TVs. We missed the radio spots. We missed everything. And man, I was beating myself up and we had this big meeting and I needed to walk in and just kind of, hey guys, all right, I got a backup plan. But I remember walking slow to this meeting 
and I'm walking, I'm sitting outside the door and I'm just kind of gearing myself up to go inside because I'm like, I'm gonna get hammered. I know I am, this is a big event. And I remember I walked to the door and I heard my name. I'm kind of nosy, you know, like I, I wish I wasn't, but it's a fault. I'm sorry, don't judge me. But I, I remember sitting outside the door and I'm like, okay, they're talking about me. And they were like, man, I can't believe T did this. Can't believe he dropped the ball. Can't believe he fumbled this on this event. And all of a sudden I hear this little voice and she said, no, man, T's great. He may have dropped the ball, but watch how he recovers. Watch how he gets up. He is a man of God. He's going to step into this. It's going to be fixed. God's going to use him and it's going to be great. And I just remember, oh my God, that's my girl. Because then at the time she wasn't my girl. Like we were dating, but that was the moment I chose her. You know what I mean? Now, Amber, I'm well aware. Don't tell my wife. I know she picked me. Okay. But for this moment, I got the mic. All right. So I chose her. And so I just remembered, man, like in that moment when I was able to just put my ear to the door and just listen to how she talked about me. Listen, it's one thing when people talk good to your face. It's another when they big up you from, your, from behind, man. Like when they're bragging on you when nobody's around, that's big. And I just remember going, man, like I'm so glad I got to just listen in in that moment. Can I tell you guys? If you're in this room and you've made mistakes and you've lived a life and you're ashamed of some things from your past, can I just tell you that if you could just put your ear to the door of heaven right now, you literally would hear Jesus saying, that is my son, that is my daughter, and I'm so proud of him. Look at him. He's probably calling Peter and Paul. Come look at this one. I'm so proud of him. Literally, Jesus isn't mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's got so many great plans for you. He just wants to love you. He wants to use you. He wants to do amazing things in your life, guys. Every single person in here, you were made on purpose, for purpose, with a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify Jesus. I really believe that. And he loves you in the good days and the bad days. So a question I ask myself is, if that's true, if God really loves us that way, if he really wants to use us, Man, what is it that keeps people from seeing Christ in us sometimes? I think one of the main reasons that people don't see Christ in us sometimes is because as followers of Christ, we're really good at getting lit for Jesus, but we're bad at being a light for Jesus. Here's what I mean by this. It's really easy to come to chapel on a, sorry, I've been traveling y'all, it's Tuesday, on a Tuesday and come in here and worship, and you got a worship leader like Anna Jay who's leading you, it's easy. Yes, God, I trust your promises. You are Jireh. But what happens on a Wednesday? Better question, what happens on a Friday night? What happens on a Saturday when you're by yourself and the enemy and temptations are coming? How are we doing then? Are we being an everlasting light for Jesus? I think one of the worst places we could be as followers of Jesus is thinking we're on fire for him, but we're really just feeling the heat from everybody else around us. So are you really on fire for Jesus or are you just feeling the heat from an amazing campus? Because Jesus said that I am the everlasting fire. His fire never goes out. If his fire never goes out, ours doesn't have to either. God truly wants to use us. We can truly live a life that makes a difference. And it doesn't matter where we come from. God still can use us, guys. Let's focus on being a light for Christ instead of just being lit during a chapel service and walking out like nothing ever happened. I believe it was Gandhi who said, man, I like your God, but your Christians I don't like because your Christians look nothing like your God. 
We have such an opportunity, especially this is Athletic Chapel as athletes. You guys have a platform. You have kids that are looking up to you, people that are following you. What an opportunity to just be a light for Christ and point them to him. I've got two practical ways that we can look like we've been with Jesus. And then we're going to transition. I know it's been a long time, but I really want to hit in on this, man. And um, one of the ways I, uh, let me explain it like this. I heard a story of a group of guys, and I wish I saw this, but I heard the story of a group of guys, and they were getting together because one of the guys had a bonfire at his house. And um, he had this new fire pit, and it wasn't like a a bonfire in the ground. He had like one of those fancy fire pits that was off the ground, and he had it on his deck. And he had these TVs out there, and they were going to watch the game. Well, the guys pull up to the house, and they have to walk around the house to get to the deck. But as they get out of their cars, they hear a bunch of commotion. They hear, like, feet shifting and stuff like that. And they're like, man, what is going on? All of a sudden, they see this big smoke just rising from the backyard, and they just hear somebody, oh, my God. And they hear somebody freaking out, so they rush around to the back, and they get around to the back. The fire pit fell. The deck is almost catching on fire, but then it was even worse because there was nothing but just dry hay and stuff underneath. And this guy has a hose, and he's trying to put the fire out, but it won't reach because the hose couldn't reach to the fire. This guy has just spraying water, and he's throwing water on it, so the friends jump right in. They're, like, grabbing buckets out of the kitchen. They're throwing, like, water on the fire. One guy's just spitting on it like that's going to help, you know, and... They're freaking out, but then all of a sudden, they get the fire under control, they go into the kitchen, and everything's funny afterwards, right? Like, it's terrifying in the moment, but now it's a great story. So they're laughing, and they're joking in the, in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, one of the guys, he goes over to the pantry, and he opens it up, and he's like, are you kidding me? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? He's like, are you kidding me right now? And they're like, what, bro? He's like, you had a fire extinguisher in here this whole time? And we're out here spitting on this fire and trying to put it out. And the guy was like, oh, my gosh, y'all, I am so sorry. I got that a long time ago. I just never, I never used it. I forgot about it. Now, that's a funny story. But I think we treat our prayer life a lot like that fire extinguisher. We have it, but it's almost like we rarely use it so much that we forget that we even have the power of prayer. Like, in reality... Most of us have reduced prayer to that thing we say before we eat our food or we're going to feel bad and we can't enjoy it. Sometimes we reduce prayer to just something we're going to do to help us transition through a worship service. That's not how prayer was ever created to be. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a weapon. This is how we fight our our battles, through prayer and worship. Like literally prayer changes things. If you look at Samuel, you see Hannah praying and crying out to God. God hears her prayers and gives her the son that she had been begging for. In Acts, we see Peter locked in a prison. He begins to pray. The church begins to pray. And an angel shows up and literally escorts him out of the prison. Prayer changes things for us, guys. I can tell you that when we were having our little girl, doctors told us that she wasn't going to make it. We begin to pray. We begin to text other people. Now she's here. She's ahead of schedule in everything that she's going through. Prayer changes things. But we also see in Luke 22, we see a beautiful story of Jesus where he says he's going to the cross and he says, hey, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes prayer doesn't just change our situation. Sometimes prayer changes us. 
Because in that scripture, it said that an angel appeared and strengthened the Lord. You see, sometimes prayer doesn't change everything that's going on around us, but it changes us on the inside. And it reminds us that no matter the situation, if God is with me, who can be against me? That if God is for me, I can face tomorrow. You see, prayer was never meant to be a last resort. Prayer was meant to be our first response. In the good times, I'm going to praise God. In the bad times, I'm praising God. I will never forget in the valley what he told me on the mountaintop. There's something about prayer that shifts things, guys. Man, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? And I think we get this. We get communicating, okay? I think we understand how important it is to communicate. And let me show you how I know. I meet with you guys a lot. All right, I meet with students all the time. I rarely ever get through a whole meeting if this person's dating someone because the guy's like, hey, hang on, man, this is my girlfriend. Oh, look at this text, you know, 24-7. Like, if you're dating somebody right now in this room, let me paint a picture for you. What would happen in your relationship if you just didn't text your girlfriend or boyfriend? Let's say three days. You feel that? Like, that was the realization that just happened all across this room. Like, you felt that? Like, if you didn't text your girlfriend or boyfriend for three, let's say two days. Bro, you you see her, you're going to have some, there might be some furniture moving around. Like, I mean, I'm serious. There's going to be some fighting, some arguing. There's going to be some, somebody's going to be mad. But what is it, why is it that we can't go two or three days without talking to the person we're dating, but we could go two or three weeks without talking to Jesus? What is that? Like, literally, we have a Savior that is dying to meet with you. With all of us. Me too. This isn't fingers pointing. This is thumbs pointing at myself to remind me. That's the love of our Savior. I saw a video that absolutely rocked me. I'm not ashamed to say I sat on YouTube and watched this over and over again, and I cried the entire time. I saw a video of a comedian named Michael Jr., and uh, he had just had his daughter, and they were in the hospital And I don't know if you guys have seen this man, but it was so powerful. His daughter um, had just been born and she was crying uncontrollably. I can't remember the exact situation because I was crying. And um, but I remember just watching this and there was something frantic taking place like she wasn't doing good. She was crying. And all of a sudden, Michael Jr. spoke up and he said, hey, baby, daddy's right here. He's with you. It's going to be okay." And he's speaking in a calm voice. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys have seen this video, the baby just completely stops. And when the baby stops, the entire room just stops moving. Everybody's like, oh my gosh. Because there's something about the father's voice that just stills things. There's something about the father's voice that just brings peace in our life. There's something about the father's voice that meets us where we are and reminds us that we're loved. That's the heart of the father. Literally, there's a, there's a movie called Just Mercy, and it's about a lawyer named Brian Cranston. And Brian told a story one time at a, at a conference, and he said he was adopted, and uh, his grandmother would always, every time he left the house, his grandmother would hug him, and she would squeeze him so, so tight that literally he was sore for the rest of the day. Like, he would leave, and he was like, man, why she hug me so tight? One day, he called his grandmother and he had bad news. And uh, he told her, and his grandmother said, hey, you know why I hug you so tight every day? 
And he said, no, I've always wondered that. And she said, it's because in moments like this, I want you to remember that hug and that somebody loves you and wants to draw you close in the good times and the bad times. That's how Jesus meets us in prayer. Prayer literally is a way of God just reminding us and communicating with us that he loves us that much. You don't even have to get it perfect. There is no perfect prayer. He just wants you to communicate. My daughter is 15 months old, most 14 months old. The only thing I ever hear from her is just gibberish. But every now and then she says, Dada, I love everything she says. I don't know what she's saying. I just love it. Like, I, I'm, I'm sold. Like, she's got me, Kim. You know how this is with your grandkid. It's like, I don't care what you're saying. You're amazing. Like, I just love hearing from you. That's the heart of our father. So what can we do to look more like Jesus? Focus on being a light instead of just getting lit for Christ. Spend time in prayer. I challenge you guys today. Listen, I'm not trying to disrupt plans, but I do want to challenge you. What if today, instead of going and playing a game, you just said, you know what, God, you're drawing me closer to you. I'm going to take this for what it is. It's prayer day. I'm going to make it prayer day. I'm going back in my room and I'm going to seek your face. What would it look like if a team got together and said, hey, I know it's prayer day. I know there's games going on. But man, we've got, we want to pray. We've got needs. We've got things that we want God to do. That's how revivals start, guys. What would it look like if we truly sought his face and took this for what it is as an opportunity to draw closer to him? Sometimes in our life, the only prayers that God can't answer are the ones that we won't pray. Maybe you don't have what you are needing because you haven't asked for it. What does your prayer life look like? The next thing I want to share with you guys, and I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to turn this back over to Darren and we're going to go to the next thing, but I'm going to set it up like this. I think we have a video that I want to show you guys, and I just want you guys to take a look at this. I don't think the clarity is super clear, but it's going to kind of paint a picture and I'll explain it to you. first name like we're friends or something but I, lo I love their faces in that because they are just like what just happened and that was how the entire arena felt in that moment everybody's like are you serious did this just happen does this count here's here's what happened I think this was game five of the NBA playoffs and literally the sun were down by one with like 0.3 seconds left well, Jay Crowder inbounds the ball, and when he inbounds it, he throws it in the cylinder. DeAndre Ayton just touches it and puts it in. Now, if you're a sports person, typically you would think, this is goaltending. But there was one person in the room, Monty Williams, who knew that if you throw the ball from out of bounds over the cylinder, it's a pass. It's not a shot. So there is no goaltending. So literally, Monty knew this, drew up this play. Everybody in the gym looked like those two. Like, refs are looking at each other like, you make the call. Like, I'm not making the call. You make the call. <laughs> Nobody knew what to call it, all right? So everybody's confused. They're like, did it count? Did it not count? They go over, and they discuss it. And like three minutes later, they come back, and they say, game over. Suns won. The place goes bonkers. That happened because one person knew the book. Because one person knew the book, the Suns organization benefited, the players the fans, everybody benefited because one person took the time to know the book. 
Hey, guys, can I tell you, if you want to look more like Christ, take time to know this word. Take time to know Jesus, his life, his story, his love for you. Because when you know this word, you will benefit. Your friends will benefit. Your family will benefit. Your future family will benefit. If you really want to live a life where people can look at you and tell that you've been with Jesus, focus on being a light for Christ. Spend time in prayer. And thirdly, spend time in this word, man. Now, listen, I would be remiss. I know this is a Christian school, but I came to a place like this and I sat in a place like this for, don't judge me, um, six years. I double major, triple minored, easy, back up. Um, but I sat in the chapel like this for a long time. And what I did was I played chapel. Like literally, if I'm honest with you, man, I, I went to chapel I did the things that I thought I was supposed to do. But the second I left, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I found my identity in sports. I found my identity in girls. I found my identity in everything except for Jesus. And for so long of my life, I pretended. And I just did what I thought I should do. Until one day, it just, I came to the end of myself. I'd gotten tired of having secret problems and secret things going on. And I had gotten tired of feeling empty filling a void in my life. And finally, I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to surrender everything. Jesus, I'm tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I'm giving it to you. So right now, I don't know who you are, but maybe I came here today for this point to give you a chance to surrender religion and receive a relationship. I'm not talking about how much Bible you know. I'm talking about do you know Jesus? Because there might be somebody in here right now, you've got a lot of head knowledge, but you've never made a heart connection with the Father. You know the right things to say, but you don't actually have peace in your life. You don't have a relationship, and for so long you've been so embarrassed because you're thinking, what are they going to think about me if I surrender my life to Christ? Can I tell you, man, listen, I wouldn't worry about what other people are thinking. Because there will come a time where you're standing before Christ and your friends aren't with you. It's going to be about the decisions you made in your life. So right now, all across this room, before we transition, I'm just going to ask that everybody in this room, bow your head, close your eyes, all across this place right now. Scripture says that we can search our hearts. Scripture says that we can really ask the Lord if we know him. We can, we can really ask that question. And if you're in this room right now and you're saying, man, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with the Father. Right now, I'm just going to ask that you would just take a bold step and say, I'm ready to surrender. In just a few seconds, I'm going to lead this entire room in prayer. And I'm going to lead specific people who are ready to give their life to Christ in a prayer to surrender to Jesus. So if that's you, no looking around, nobody moving. If that's you when you're saying, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm not worried about the person to my left or to my right. I'm ready to focus on Jesus. If that's you, can you just put your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? Yes. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes. Is there anybody else? Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand too. Yes, Lord. Yes. Well, listen, for the sake of those who I'm about to lead in a prayer, I just want to ask that everybody in this room would just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask that you would forgive my sins, past, present, and future. 
Right now, I surrender my life to you. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I don't want you to just be my savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. Lead me from here on out. In your name I pray. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.